0: Thanks for listening to The Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. How's everybody doing? Man, what a great looking crowd today. We are, we're having baptisms today. Uh, First service, uh, I I think we ended up baptizing eight people first service. We have, I don't know, 13 or more this service. Um, we have a couple down at our Sherwood campus, another five, I think, four in the last service. God's, God is definitely up to something uh, in our church, so I'm excited to see what God's going to do. Uh, my name is Bobby Smith. I know that we have a lot of guests today. I'm the lead pastor here, and I get the privilege of continuing week two of our series uh, that we're talking about life's greatest question. And it's a question that a lot of us have, and I just want you to think through it for a second because you've probably asked yourself this question at some point in your life. What on earth am I here for? Am I here just to occupy space? Am I here to just go through troubles and and struggles? Or is there an actual God-given purpose that I have? And one of the things that we said last week is that you were made, I was made. you were made on purpose for a purpose. Let that sink in for a second. That you were not just kind of like, you know, things coming together. God formed you in your mother's womb before he, you know, even knew or she even knew that was gonna happen and knows the hairs on your head and knew what you were gonna look like and what you were gonna be. And that's how God is. God, as a matter of fact, he says literally specifically that he knew you in that moment. Like he created you in the image of God. Let that sink in for a second that we were created in the image of God. And one of the things we said last week is not only were we made on purpose, for a purpose, right? Like, you know, and think about this for a second. Just like the ancients that we read about in scripture, the holy scriptures, the the Moseses and the Noahs and all those, you know, great people that were before us. And we were made to do the same exploits that they were. Like those things that they did, we were designed to do our our things, our greatness. And so it's exciting. And then we talked about our purpose is to make Jesus famous and take care of people. That's that's the purpose that we're put. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, um, that's what your purpose is. Uh, You don't have to have an exterior purpose. You don't have to think about like, what am I gonna do in my life? Whatever it looks like, uh, specifically, which we're going to talk, we're going to break it down. That's what your purpose is. As a matter of fact, uh, let's just kind of unpack this for a second, because it would be easy just to just kind of run through this and go, yeah, Pastor Bobby, you know, I, I get that, that I was made for God and I was made to, to serve people. But specifically, this is what happens in Matthew chapter 22. And it says this in verse 34, and this is a familiar passage. Lots of us have read this before. If you've never read it before, there's this kind of conflict that's happening between the religious leaders, the Pharisees and Sadducees and Jesus, they're trying to catch him in something about, you know, worshiping on a Sunday or healing or working on a Sunday. And this is what it says. But when the Pharisees heard that they had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One more of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Now, just stop right there. The law of Moses is the Ten Commandments, right? There's ten ones that we, we find it very hard to, like anybody can keep all ten of them. Anybody, raise your hand if you can keep all 10. I'm just not that spiritual of a person. I'm really good to do six, five at times, depending on who I'm dealing with, right? I'm pretty good. I haven't murdered anybody. Like we're good on that. I haven't envied anybody, sheep or goats. So we're good on that. But some of the other ones, I, I have a hard time, like just have me, anybody have a hard time with those? So so he's asking that question, like you know, what's the, what's the, what's the greatest of these? What's the, the most important? And, and I would have thought right away, he would have said, you know, X, like this is love God without it. And actually what he does, not many people know this, he sums up all 10 of those into two statements. And the two statements, the first several commandments are about loving God and the last several commandments are about how we love people. So Jesus is gonna take, because remember Jesus said this, I didn't come to abolish the law. Lots of people in the New Testament church think, well, we don't have to pay attention. No, you do, we do have to pay attention. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish that. I came to be the fulfillment of that law. So then all of a sudden he says, okay, Jesus replies, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And a lot of times what happens, we stop right there, and we use the next verse as our missions verse. Like we all we'll talk about outreach and loving people around us. And we we actually around here have have a, a, a series that we do every November, Love Your Neighbor. And this is where it comes from. But as I've been reading this more, this is, you can't separate, you can't break the two apart. They're actually one and the same. They're, 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 they're together. It says the second is equally as important. And he says, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Now, I, I need to kind of stop there for a second because this is really important. Because a lot of times what we think is loving God, what does this mean? What does loving God and loving people mean? doesn't mean like I just, I go to church every Sunday, right? I go to church every Sunday. That's, who would say that that's a pretty good thing? Like round of applause. If you could, you're here on Sunday, you should applaud. It's the ones that aren't here, the slackers that are not, right? Pre- who said preach it? I'm going to preach it. Relax. I haven't gotten there. You got to build up to preaching it. But here's the, here's the, here's the, here's the, do you know that you can go to church every Sunday and still miss it? You can go to church every Sunday and not love God or love people. And it's not love God or it's love God and it's what i You can't, you can't separate the two. Do you know, do you know that you can go to Sunday school? You can even be a Sunday school teacher and you can miss it. You you can miss God. You can you can get so wrapped up in the teachings, the law, the the, the making sure that you're, you're you're you know you're polished and everything comes out right that you forget the guts behind it. You, you know what? You can give. You can tithe. You can be a tither. You can give ten percent of all. You can give millions upon millions of dollars if you're that wealthy. You can do all that, and you can still you can still miss it. You cannot love God or people. How many people have ever heard somebody say that Christianity is all about do's and don'ts? Anybody ever hear that? Well, you know what the don'ts are, right? Don't drink, don't smoke. Like, I don't think that's gonna get you out of heaven. I think it's gonna get you there faster, but I don't think it's gonna, you know, don't dance. Like, I grew up in a church that you couldn't dance. And if you had the moves I have, you would like, that would be bothered, that would really bother Right, you, know, you all know what I'm saying? But, you could, but, but a lot of people think Christianity is about all the don'ts. Don't do this, don't do that. Don't, don't, you know, don't dip, don't swear, don't hang out with women to do those things, all that kind of stuff. And, and, and here's what I found out. And, and I'm gonna be honest with you. It's, sometimes, it's, sometimes we try to do that, but when I'm doing the do's, like spending time with God's word or spending time with God or spending time with God's people or worshiping or whatever, when I'm doing the do's, I don't wanna do the don'ts. But you can do all that, you can you not do all those things and still, you can miss it. As a matter of fact, there's a challenge that we find in 1 Corinthians. And it's an interesting challenge because the challenge is really important. And a lot of times we, we hear this passage, uh, you know, read at a, at a, at a wedding and then, you know, about love, what love is, but it really, this has nothing to do with, with that concept right there. And this is what he says in, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13. And he says, he says and, he, and he talks like, if I could speak, with the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't, know, uh, didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all the secret, the God's secret plans and, and I possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others... I would have gained nothing. What he's saying right there is exactly what we read about in Matthew, that you can do all the stuff and still miss it. You can miss loving God and you can miss loving people. And here's what I've learned in my life. I'm 57 years old, getting ready to be 58. Here's what I've learned. And I've learned it's 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 a valuable lesson. When I'm loving God and I'm loving people, all the other stuff kind of falls into place. When I love God with my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength, and I take care of His creation the way God's told me to take care of His creation. There's something I don't have to try to figure out how to be holy. I am holy. Anybody struggle with that? I would like to be more holy. Be like Jesus. Then you don't have to read more scripture. You don't have to know Greek and Aramaic or go to uh, go to seminary or any of that stuff. What we have to do is just draw closer to God. You know, you don't need motivation when you love God and love others. You you want to keep. God's commandments when you love God. You don't want to, you don't want to disple- So how many times have you ever reprimanded your child and you go like this? Like they're sitting, snot. And you ask the question, are you sorry you did this? And what's the answer? They lie to you. The lie is, yes, yes. But really, what are they saying? No, I'm sorry, I got caught. See, here's the deal. When you love God and you love people, there's not this fear of being caught because you're not doing those things. And if you are in that position because you love God, it's not a matter of keeping the Ten You don't want to hurt people if you believe the Ten Commandments, right? If you love God. And love. Them. You don't want to cheat on your spouse if you love God and love people. You don't want to hurt people and, 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 and talk down to them with your words. You, you're not jealous. You're not, you're not any of those things when you love God and you love people. Not only that, you know what happens? There's some things you do do. He said, do do in church. I saw it on some of your eyes and I caught myself. I was like, I can't believe I just said that. When you love God and love people, you become generous with your time, your talent, and your treasures. People all the time, listen, I can't afford to give. No, you know what the problem is? It's a heart thing. It's not, you can't afford not to give. You can't afford not to give to God. You can't afford to not allow him to use you. You know what else happens? You learn to, you learn to control your anger when you love God. You learn to control your tongue. You learn all of a sudden, you know what? You want to help people that are hurting. You want to be a part of their lives. You want to feed those that are hungry. You want to encourage those that are discouraged. That's our purpose. That's why we were put here, to love God and to love people. Now, here's what I want to say, I and mean, then, We're going to kind of dive into the next, just a couple minutes. That's our purpose. But there's another tension that we have. Everybody in this room has it. Okay. Everybody, there's a tension. I understand my purpose. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, this is your purpose. I told you your purpose last week. Mentioned it up front. Here's the tension. The tension is how do we fulfill that purpose? What do we do with our own lives? Because everybody has a different, a different way to go about it. Everybody has a different call as we're going to look at in Thessalonians. Paul says we have a call. And I wish I could, in a 30-second soundbite, you know, show you, draw out, map out exactly how you need to put your purpose into practice, but that's not the way it works. And how to fulfill the purpose of making Jesus famous and caring for others. It's discovered through only life's journey. Keep walking through life, and that's when it happens. Anybody know what OSFM means? OSFM. One size fits most. There's also OSFA. Lots of people think that, spiritual gifts or like we found our purpose and all of a sudden it's a one size fits most like well Bobby does it this way so this is the way I'm going to do it or you know somebody does it this way and this is the way I'm going to do it and what I've learned the body is fitly joined together each one doing its own part that everybody has a specific function in that thing and that's why it's so difficult because it's not it's not one size fits most and it's going, it's it's going as a matter of fact let me tell you one of the first secrets to figuring this out is look for opportunities to live out your purpose every day. Not, not just big, so everybody in this room, everybody, we all want this, this Red Sea experience. Like we want, we, want, we want to go, okay, God, here I am. I'm at, the, at the, the point here, the Red Sea's in front of me, the Egyptians are behind me, and on the other side of this thing is my purpose. And we all want, you know, somehow or another, the Red Sea parts, and right in the middle of the Red Sea, God goes, here's your purpose. I don't, I don't know, maybe God doesn't sound like that. Somewhat of a deep Yankee voice, I don't know. But don't we, don't we, we all want that. We, we would all love a burning bush experience that we're sitting in front of the burning bush and on the tablets of stone is, Bobby, here's your purpose. But it doesn't happen that way. You know how it happens? Everyday life. You walking your life out every day. In your workplace, raising your kids, your hobbies, the things that you do uh, during work, the things that you do after work. And I, I, if I can be as honest, I've, since the time I was 17, I've always wanted to do this. Like, I don't know why I didn't have anybody in my, I didn't have anybody modeling it in my life. I, I, I didn't even go to church barely. But I knew that there was a call in my life to be a pastor. But getting to that point, I had to work several different jobs. Like I, I worked in a landscape company for a while. I worked in sales for selling insurance. And I remember specifically when I was doing the landscape thing. I, I, you guys that work outside in, when it's 400 degrees in Georgia, I don't know how you do it. And then and, and pounding nails like, I, like I, I, I'm at the age now where I wake up sore from sleeping, right? A friend of mine was talking about fishing. I said, why are you so sorry? We were fishing yesterday. You were fishing. How do you get sore from fish?" I mean, maybe fishing is a full contact sport now and I missed something. But I remember in the middle, like, I, I work for a Christian guy. He lives in his town. He actually comes to our church, and I remember it was, it was really cool because I could share my faith. I could share my faith all the time, and and we would go to um we would go to lunch as a as a team. Like there would be fifteen or twenty of us, and we would go. How many people remember Ryan's Steakhouse? Man, the best ever. The best yeast, yeast rolls. I mean, that bar from puke Golden Corral has nothing on. But, but man, they had the big, big and they, oh my gosh, I want a yeast roll right now. But. We would go there, and, and we would pray together. As and, and these are lots of non-believers. I mean, lots of people didn't know Jesus from you know Adam's house cat. And every week we would sit digging ditches, and we would you know be laying sprinkler lines out, or you know putting sod out, and we would be talking about Jesus. and, after, and I thought for for years that nobody was listening. You ever felt like that? Probably if you have kids, you feel like that. Like they're not listening. Wake up, listen. But but I remember years after I left, and it was early '90s. Um, somebody somebody kind of shared with me and just said this, like, when, when, you, do, when you do the work that God wants you to do, faithful in little things, God will put you in charge of bigger things. And he said, I, I'll never forget this. He goes, do whatever you're doing, whatever it looks like, do it like you're pastoring the largest church in the United States. Put into that, whatever that is, excellence and, and, and always honor God with that. And make sure that you're always doing the things God wants you to do. And I still didn't feel like, and maybe some of you feel like this with the, I, I still didn't feel like I was having any impact. I was just, I was just digging ditches until four or five years later, when I left, and I got a phone call from a friend of mine that said one of our workers had died. His name was Charlie, and I'll never forget. I, I just wept for a long period of time because he was a good guy, and I don't, I don't know at this point if he knew who Jesus was or if the words that we, you know, my boss and myself taught, like if you ever listened to him or not, and it was a couple years after that that I got a phone call from his wife, his widow, and she said, Bobby, I just want to tell you that Charlie gave his life to Jesus Christ because of all the impact that you guys had in his life. Let me tell you what the impact felt like. It felt like digging ditches. But you want to know something? When his when his heart on this side of eternity stopped and his eyes shut on this side of eternity, I guarantee you, they opened on the other side of eternity. And regardless of how faithful he was to whatever we call Christianity, there was a moment in time where he asked Jesus to be a savior, and I believe he is walking on streets of gold right now. It's the midst of the everyday that sometimes we overlook because we look, we're looking for the extravagant. We're looking for the big thing, and that's just not the way God does it most of the time. So when you understand how to fulfill your purpose, you pursue it every day of your life. Watch this. Whether you get paid a little, paid a lot, or get paid nothing, the purpose is bigger than all that. Amen? Here's another thing. We need to learn to look for opportunities to live out our purpose every day. And not only that, but we have to remember that we all have a purpose to fulfill. Every one of us in this room has a purpose to fulfill. Second Thessalonians, Paul is talking to the church at this point. And he says this in verse 11. So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of, what does it say? His, what's the word? This isn't rock and science. It's call. Now, when I was reading that For a long time in my life, I only thought certain people were called. But he's talking to the entire church of Thessalonica. He's saying, you have a call, that in your life there's a call. And and, and I'm putting that in, just like I said last week, that everybody has a purpose, everybody in this room has a call. And it's up to us to figure that call. So it says, worthy of his call, may he give you the power to accomplish all the good things in your faith that it prompts you to do. Then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live and you're honored along with, this is made possible or this is all made possible because the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. And so God has called each one of us. It's not the preacher that's called. It's not the missionary it's called. It's every person in this room, every person watching online, every person in Sherwood, every person in that atrium, you have a call of God in your life that you have to fulfill. You got to figure out what it is, but you have a call of God. Verse 11, I'm gonna read it one more time. It says, so we keep on praying for you, asking God to enable you to live a life worthy. That means we're making the most of those opportunities. It's just like what Moses, we we read it last week. Teach us the number our days are right that we will gain, let us make the most of our lives. Paul says it in Ephesians chapter four like this, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been, you have been called by God. Here's something I've learned. God's call on our life is always just a little bit bigger, a little bit better, a little bit tougher than the one we would choose for ourselves. That's how you know it's God's call. I remember saying to a young man that quit a job without having another job. And I said, why did you quit? And he said, because it's hard work. You know, I found out it's not just this culture. It's cultures in front of mine. It's cultures of mine. There's a lot of lazy in the world. There's a lot of lazy in this world. And you know what I found out? Some people are lazy with the call of God in their lives. They want the, they want the, the, the route of least resistance. Just let me, let me just kind of skate through life. And when I get to heaven, we'll have a big party. That's not God's design plan. Some people's life pursuit is based on the least amount that they could possibly do. But here's the deal. When God's placed a call of God on, on your life, his calling begins right where you're at and it may be difficult. It may be hard at times. Listen, you may not be doing what you wanna be doing right now, the rest of your life, but do it as good as you can do it. You're called to do it that way. This may, you may not be sitting in your dream job right now, or you may not be sitting in your dream ministry right now, but you know something? Do it the best that you possibly can because people outside are watching. That's part of our call, doing things excellently. That's what it says in Colossians. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Hey, at the bottom line, at the, at the end of the day, yes, journey pays my paycheck, but you know who I'm working for? SRS may be paying your paycheck, but you work for him. Whatever, whatever place you work at, the school system, Columbia County, you may be, but you work for him. And we're, we're called to make his name famous and love people through that calling. Let me, let me tell you another thing. This is so powerful. The needs around, people say all the time, well, how will I know? What, 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 how will I know? The needs around you, right in your circle, will prompt you how to live out your purpose. Those, those things that you see with the people that are one arm's length, you don't, now there's certain people that are absolutely called to go overseas, but you know, that's not the majority of us. The majority of us are called to reach the people one arm's length from each of us, right in our little circle, our community groups. This is what it says. So, so we keep on praying for you, asking God to enable you, watch it, to live out a life worthy of his call. And then it says, May He give you power to accomplish. This blew me away when I was reading this. All the good things, your faith. What's that next word? Prompts. Where are you prompted at? Dealing with people every day of the week. You're prompted by the need that you see over here, the need that you see right here. It tugs on your heart, the need that's over here, the kids that need to be served, the, 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 the pe- people in prison, all that right here. I have a friend of mine and he was telling me this. He goes, the, the, the need around me prompted me so much that I determined that that's where God wanted me to be. And maybe, and this was this, like he was saying, there's, there's, I got my work hours. He said, but I'm talking about my after work hours, the things that I do with my life. Um, a friend of mine, he's a, a, a corporate accountant and he does big, big companies. But his need around him, he sees a need that people that can't afford an accountant, somebody to help them, walk them through a process of whether it's just, you know, getting out of debt or whatever it is. So he offers for like $100. And if they can't afford it, he's got scholarships for people that pay. For people that are down there, you know, people that don't have the money to get that kind of service done. Listen, I don't know why we, anybody an accountant in this room? Nobody, good. Oh, one person way back in the back. Raise your hand real high. Be proud. I don't know why. Like, I'm sure it's exciting. 100 minus 30, 70. I'm not trying to minimize your job. Thank you for what you do. But it would kill me. If you want, your, if you want to owe the government lots of money, let me do your accounting. Or if you want to get back a lot and end up in jail, let me do your accounting. He says it's a call. I have another friend. He works full time. He works 50, 60 hours a week. In, in just, just It's a good job. He makes good money. But you know what he does every night when he leaves work? He goes down to prison. And he's trying to somehow or another rehab these people that are getting out of prison just to get them into a position where they can function in, in, in society Oh my goodness. And I can go on and on and on. I know teachers that do it off. I know, I know, like, it's amazing to me. You know why? Because something has prompted their spirit from the people that are right around you. So the question is, what's prompting you? What's the thing that, listen, I'm I'm gonna tell you, we can hide from God's calling. We can not listen to God's calling, but I'm telling you in the middle of the night when the Holy Spirit wakes you up and starts talking, you can't ignore that. He will keep waking you up every night after night, after night, after night, after And some of you are shaking your head because you're going through it right now. Man, answer the call that God has for you. Do what God's calling. What's the, what's the need around you? What's prompting you to be bigger? And the ladies, this last one, we're gonna close right here. Whatever that is, you need God's power to fulfill your purpose. You can't do it on your own. There is no way that the God of the universe who created all this is gonna give you a small vision for whatever he's called you to do. He's gonna give you a big vision for it. And you gotta have his help. In the Old Testament, there's a character, his name is Moses. And Moses is visited by, uh, by God. You all remember this one? He goes, I want you to go to Pharaoh and I want you to tell him to let my people go. And I want you to do this, you're gonna be my mouthpiece. Do you all remember what Moses says? He says, I can't even talk right. All I do is stutter. There is no way I could possibly do what you want me to do. You want me to go in front of the Pharaoh and tell the Pharaoh this, or you want me to go in front of these people. Listen, all they're going to get is a bunch of just clamoring and just stuttering, and there's no way I can do it. And God says, whoa, 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 whoa. You're right. You can't do it on your own. So I'm going to give you my power. Now, I love the fact, I wish God would do this with me. This would be really cool. Hey, I'm going to represent, I'm going to, The power that's in your life, I'm going to represent with a staff. I would love to walk all around life with staff. How cool would that be? Think people listen to me? The, The staff wasn't the power, by the way. The staff was the representation of the power that God had already given Moses to not just talk straight, but be bold. This was after, by the way, this was after he killed somebody. Like there was was enough excuses not to be used by God. this guy stands in front of the Red Sea and lifts up the staff, goodness gracious, and it parts. There's another key moment in Moses' life that I think about all the time. Remember when he's at Mount Sinai? It's the place where God gave him the Ten Commandments. And he gives him the Ten Commandments, right? There's this little, little part in there that we skip over. And it says, take your shoes off. Take your shoes off. Now, I always wondered, like, was he not wearing Nikes? What? Why? Moses' sandals were taking him everywhere that Moses wanted to go. And God was saying to him this, I'm giving you my power. But now you're going to go everywhere I want to go. And your feet are going to tread on holy places. And you can't. You can't be in that same frame of mind thinking that you can do it your way. You've got to do it my way. So take off the shoes. And I think in a spiritual way, a lot of times God is telling us, take off the shoes. The ones that take you where you want to go. The ones that take you to the the place, a a lifestyle of ease or a, a lifestyle of complacency. And he's saying, what you're going to do is going to be hard and holy. But when you do it, you're going to have a satisfaction like you've never had before somehow or another in the process of our lives going through everyday life god is going to intersect us the holy spirit's going to speak to us and i'm telling you if you can do it on your own it's not god's dream it's when you get to that moment when you go there's no way no way in heaven that i can get this done i'm a big football fan and i was flipping through the stations and it was a, a biography on a guy some of you may, may recognize his name. His name is John Kitna. John Kitna was went to a little small school in um, central Washington, and he got drafted. He was the only one from the school that ever get drafted. And Seattle Seahawks drafted him as a quarterback. He ended up playing, I think, 16 years, made bazillions of dollars, like just buku rich, right? Even in the times where there was, like, I think his last contract was like $30 million. I could live on $30 million. Anybody else want to? I'll split it with somebody if you can find it for us, right? Now, let me ask, can I ask a real serious question? If you retire and you're a bazillionaire, what are you doing? Didn't, not trying to bait you or anything, but what would you do the rest of your life? Costa Rica, peace out, everybody. John Kitna, millionaire, decides that he's gonna teach school in an inner city school system. And he said, God doesn't give us all these dreams and gifts and talents and abilities and money and funding and all that kind of stuff for us to sit back and retire. He wants to use it for his glory and his kingdom to make him famous and reach the need of the people around us. I'm just telling you. I'll be in Cancun working on my soreness fishing God, God wants to do something big in us. Do you know that? In this community, he wants us to make him famous. He wants us to honor God I love the way, and it says in Ephesians chapter three, and we'll just kind of close right here. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in, and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. He's calling us to be. He's calling us to be big in the communities that we live in. He's calling us to find our purpose. The way we can make him famous and execute that purpose. And that tension really isn't a tension anymore when we realize what we're called to do. That you were put on this earth to do something spectacular for him. Somebody say amen to that. Live your life with a sense of purpose. I can be honest, we're having baptism today, and this is my favorite thing we do at Journey. I love, I love everything else too, but I love Night to Shine and all But The reason it holds such a special place to me is I was 17 years old. It was 1982 going into my senior high school. And um, I had asked Jesus to be my savior uh, on the baseball field. And one of the players led me to Jesus and I wanted to go and be obedient. And so I decided I was going to be baptized. And in the pools of baptism, while I was leaving my dead man down, I was coming to life anew. God spoke to me about what I do now. At 17 years old, God spoke to me. And so I know the symbolism of all this, we're leaving the dead man in, but I also believe this is a moment where God speaks to people, where God speaks purpose and vision. And my prayer today is, I think we have 13, I bet you we have more than that when it's all said and done, but God wants to speak purpose and vision. And so in a minute, what we're going to do is we're going to have a party in this place. People are going to go down into that water and they're going to come up brand new with purpose. They're going to go over there. I, I got videos of this. They end up going over to the atrium. They walk through here and there's a there's a line of people on the other side that are applauding them as they're coming across that way. This is a party. This is the public, the public's display of what's going on on the inside of these people and we should be celebrating. And that's why I think we think it's an act of worship. It's going to be an exciting time. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it's in this quiet moment right now that we want to honor you. And and I know, I know we talked about Jesus today and we talked about what you've done for us. There's going to be people today that walked in this place that maybe up to this point, never heard. Today, they're making a decision right this very moment. They're making a decision to follow you. They want, they see something different. They want, they want what somebody around them has. And maybe they didn't come prepared, but God, you're going to do something. And maybe even in, in this moment, do something that will cause them to obey you, to step out in faith today and become baptized. God, I thank you for the people that are already here that are are acknowledging the fact that you have done something in their lives and we get to celebrate. What an honor and a privilege it is to be a part of this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at journeycommunity.net.